Welcome to Healing the City Podcast. In this episode, Adrienne Crawford talks to her sister-in-law, Lane Crawford, about what it's like to be a teacher and how your students shape you into the image of God. One of the themes that has been coming up in the podcast lately as we talk about being healers is that idea that we may see ourselves in positions of, of healing, right? So you're like, yeah, in the like, structure, oh, I'm you're here. the teacher, I'm right? the authority, I'm coming yeah. to save you. Yeah. But yeah. like what happens yeah. is that you're also like being chiseled, like you're also totally. being, you know, sculpted into more like Jesus. And so... Yeah. That experience of forgiving and understanding your own weaknesses and your own yeah. prejudices was like a really powerful, powerful part of your story. It wasn't sure. just like, which I, and I just love that you were open to it, you know, that you were seeing it as you're going along and yes. willing to. Only I'd seen more. Own it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can all say that. I'm yeah. sure about our yeah. lives where we look back, you know, even like totally. looking back in Detroit, like the mistakes I've made, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, there are some things that, you know, we really wish we hadn't done, but we yeah. did do them, you know. And it's, yeah, I mean, even I remember and, and Brendan put it in his PhD dissertation. He asked me if he could. But my friend and I growing up, she's Filipino. So, and we're still good friends. But like she came from the Philippines when she was eight. She was one of my best friends. So like she, I think probably to handle her own experience being discriminated against would like make jokes like about herself, like racist jokes about herself. So when we would carry each other's crap, like all our bags and all our sports and like all our stuff, we'd be like, slave, bring me my stuff. Like as a joke, because we were always like dragging each other's crap around. And like, um, at one point, like my, I had my driver's license suspended and she was like driving me everywhere. So it was like part of, we were always together lugging each other's crap. And so one of my students who I was really close with, like had come to the village. I was like, hang out with his family a lot um, because his dad was deported right before Thanksgiving. Mm. And so, uh, well, his dad was actually held in custody and then deported right after Christmas. So, like, his family was going through a really hard time and and they were not documented. So, like, to try to deal with, like, how do you, what do you do, like, when you live in a trailer in the desert, like, and seeing all those, like, just the brokenness of our system and not like to talk about it in a like ideology kind of way, but to be like, okay, this mom is diabetic. She doesn't have health care. Like mm. the dad is making money for them, for them to live. So he's eating my student tortillas and beans like every day, all day. They have no income. So like I, and, and so he was around my classroom a lot. Like students would come in on lunch and some of it was just like relationship building through playing through, joking with them in class and like connecting them to science and trying to just like build the wonder that God offers into like their lives and give them hope and seeing Jesus in some of those ways. But yeah, I, I made that joke to him like slave, like cause we were lugging my telescope and I had that same, like, you know, he was a student who's very dear and tender to me and somebody who, so it brought out that like old joke of my friendship but I'm saying that to my undocumented student, like mm. not the same power dynamic. And he was just like, miss, you can just say I'm a dirty Mexican. It's okay. Like you can call me a beaner. You can just be straight up. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, you know, it was just this horrific mistake. Of what have I, what have I done? Like, 
And some of it, you know, when I explained it to him, and sure, that, like, helped, but, like, it doesn't erase, like, the shame that comes for him, you know, like, the way we enter into each other's stories in those shame places, so. And I think, and that was just before, like, the um, DACA program started, so. Okay. That wasn't a possibility, so. You know, and Brendan was around, so Brendan asked if he could include it to, like, talk about. But it was just still really, like, oh, like, I totally don't live your story. And how do I be more careful? Um, yeah, just with my own entitlement, basically, and the ways that I, you know, even, like, oh, like, I was saying that because I would joke with my friend, but she was saying that. Because she was, like, one of the only Asian people (laughs) in very northern white Indiana. Mm. So, like, there was a disparaging tint to it, you know. So, I think in the ways I realized, like, in a lot of that I didn't see. And then I realized that through my students, like, as I Mm. made these mistakes and hurt them, you know. But being willing to own own that, the places where I was wrong. Mm. And that I was using my own power. Um myself or to leverage like you know relationship with them because mm-hmm. I think that's why we do it but so, so where we so you were sh- you shared that story with your teacher who was getting his PhD yeah we and would have come up in like a reflection or something that you shared it with him yeah and well and and Fernand like the my student Fernando was in my one of my classes he was filming, I think. And he would come okay. in at lunch all the time and sure. stuff. So. Do you feel like you were able to reconcile that relationship? Yeah. I mean, that, like, when that happened was at a star party. So it was, like, an after-school event um, when you're, like, looking... Uh, through telescopes so it was an extra credit kind of thing that they were doing um because I used to require that they come to one but then I realized like they don't have transportation and they're taking Mm -hmm. care of their siblings and they have jobs like I can't require them to come to this which um we used to do in Vail so realizing that was like a huge oh it's different the ex it's like you want them to have it and you want them to taste it and see it and so we required it because we know it'd be good for them and it's a good experience yeah but like I think my first semester, maybe my first year there, I required it, but mm-hmm. it was just this epic fight, and they felt so misunderstood and so hurt, mm. and so how do you balance, like, holding expectations high, but not but not having them just feel, like, so unseen and misunderstood? It's really tricky, messy balance, yeah. but, yeah, so we definitely, I mean, he was in my class, and that happened at an after-school thing, so we, yeah. we for sure reconciled and talked it through, but again, and it was... You know, for me to share my experience and why I said that and what it was about, like, you know, he, I don't know his story, like, how many people he was close to to have, like, you know, somebody apologize to him like that and to be able Mm -hmm. to talk about it. Because Brendan then would have separate interviews with my students Mm. um, where he would ask them questions and get them processing, like, their own stories and how education and race and just like their own life circumstances intersect with their own education in my classroom. And, and Brendan was still close with some of them. Like even one of my old students lived with Brendan at one point. So Mm. 
he he was also very like present and entered in with them and built his own relationships with them but yeah so they were having some help in processing some of that yeah well i mean if you think about it it was really brave of him to say it yeah because it meant the relationship mattered right yes he wanted to just share that so i mean and for and for him to say that he was like everyone else says it you know like why Mm -hmm. are you white person any different oh you're not like for him Mm -hmm. to say that out loud yeah was really powerful and gave us like a chance to be like oh wow like i really hurt you and partially because we matter to each other like right like jesus stands with us saying we all have dignity Mm -hmm. like we all bear the image of god so Mm -hmm. what does that mean when society like tries to teach us that there's percentages in that you know like um or there's disclaimers and caveats to that so Mm -hmm. and to get to say like no like i don't believe that's true like this is what i believe about jesus you know and he was around me enough to where like with some of my students who were closer where i would i might ask them if i could say something or to not like push jesus on them but to say like hey this part of who i am and how i process my world so when you come to me asking like for my advice or what i think or blah 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 that might be part of what comes out and so you would kind of like ask permission to share the gospel in a sense yeah and i I think in the sense of like well this is what i believe and this is how i process it Mm -hmm. so if you're asking me about yeah like the value of people or if you're asking me about like decisions you and your boyfriend blah 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 like um that's how i process my world so i i would try to ask permission um and a lot of it depended on my relationship with the student you know some kids it might be like helping them figure out a problem and it, and that's like not where they're at and not what they need you know like yeah. or some kids where i was like that i know like you have different beliefs and values like i had a lot of students who were african refugees and a lot of them were muslim so that that wasn't you know, like I might be trying to communicate value and love because Jesus values and loves us and I want to communicate that, but it wasn't necessarily something that was going to like come out in like such a straight way, you know? Sure, sure. So, yeah. And how long did you teach in that school? Um, I taught there for six years. Wow. Mm -hmm. And um, for people who don't know, you and Mark got married and, and, and yes. part of moving back up here was because he was moving into ministry at, at the church more full time. If I actually know that wasn't, um, why. no, uh, yeah, he was still working at Starbucks when I quit. Um, so, I mean, I think a huge big part of it was the more the main reason and he was headed that way. So it's not like it sure, wasn't true, sure. but I mean, burnout was the biggest factor okay so it was you it wasn't moving into something else mm-hmm. it was yeah it was so you were yeah. feeling like can you talk about that burnout at all um well and some of it was burnout and i feel like jesus calling me so much i had taught for five years and then at the end of my fifth year my dad passed away very suddenly mm-hmm. um and i think i'm still unraveling like the impact of that but yeah my dad passed away in may at the end of the year and then Mark and I started dating the following September mm-hmm. and got married like 11 months later, basically in April the following year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it was the end of my fourth year of teaching that my dad passed away. Um, and then I taught, yeah, fifth year was when we got married and then I taught the next year. Um, so I think some of it was 
Mark coming into my life made me realize like how tired I was. Well, and I always wrestle with this, like how, how I ministered to my students, how I was as a teacher was contingent on me being single just out of time. Um, and some of the way, like I work 60 hour weeks, most weeks, mm-hmm. some 70, some 50, but at least 50 hours a week. So all of a sudden here's this other person who I'm like, I need to spend time with you and like invest in this. Oh, I don't have time for that. So some of it was just the contrast, I think, of realizing I work a lot and and my job necessitates a lot. So I'm interested to see in the future, like I'm still certified and still would love to go back into the classroom at some point. I don't know how I would do it and like keep up, you know, and mm-hmm. and be like now I'm a mom and be committed. So to both worlds, you know, be present in both lives. I'm not sure how that I'd mm-hmm. have to ask people how they do it. Um, yeah. So some of it was realizing my capacity and then some of it was, I mean, it's nothing new. Like education in Arizona has been struggling and so I have to like I've been processing with Jesus like oh man I feel like another statistic like I got scholarships to get called into education and or to support me being a teacher and and then it was so hard Mm -hmm. yeah so some of it I think depends on your school and how they support you and -hmm. and the community was a great support system but again I was a mission like I was kind of off on my own in ways and it wasn't it was hard for people to come around me because I was a 40 minute drive so the reality of that and Mark and I were then driving up for family things across town all the time and um it just yeah attacks things and I I just realized like oh man I want to I don't want to leave this place because I love my kids but I was yeah worn out from handling like you know, the district and and what everybody talks about, like the politics of education. So Mm -hmm. I was like, oh man, maybe Jesus can put me eventually in a place that's a little, every school has their own issues, but you know, like maybe it's a little more healthy for where I'm at and what I need. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, and then it wasn't until like two or three years later he started here, I think. Okay. Um, Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense now. I think no matter where, you know, if you go back to teaching, it's like high school students need love and they need the gospel regardless of income and family structure. And so, again, it you know, it's easy to, I think it's easy for me to put a value on serving the underserved as sure. a higher value than serving the wealthy or or yeah. or whatever but the people have access to more resources yeah what i'm learning as a mom who's you know pretty involved in my kids school and involved with the other sure. parents is that people are a mess and they broken can, people are everywhere yeah and we're all so broken <laughs> and if we're willing to share our stories then you realize yeah. it doesn't matter if you're in any city detroit or south tucson or the foothills yeah there is a need for the it's gospel to grow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so we don't have to put yeah. a value system on the ministry and we just yeah. are open to what Jesus has. And, like, and you're right, we, we all have different capacities to offer in our professions. And, and so sure, yeah. there, if 
you know, and that's okay. Yeah. You know? And some of it, I feel like I have to continually remind myself because, I mean, at the time, it really did feel like it was like the night we decided it was like our water heater had broke <laughs> in our garage. Mm-hmm. So we were like, the garage was flooded and we were I like. I remember that. Oh, it was just, it was one of those lovely life moments where I was like, man, school's really hard. And Mark was like, yeah, I think you're done this year. <laughs> I mean, not no, I had been wrestling with that and it just felt like this moment from Jesus. But it's like not done forever, but just like right now. For this season, yeah. Yeah, and then it paved the way for him to start here as a pastor at the village. And uh-huh. then, you know, we had a kid and I could have never, I think entered in with my daughter the way I wanted to and still been a teacher. Like, right. I don't know how people do it and... So, yeah, mm. um, I'm grateful. It feels like I have to remember that God called me there and called me out mm-hmm. for a season. And so to frame it that way and to like continually say yes to Jesus's version of the story rather than like I failed and I abandoned oh, them. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah cause some of the students and some of the staff were really, I mean, legit sad. So, and so well, was yeah. I. So to not like take the enemy's narration of it Mm. yeah yeah and that no matter where i'm at yeah like in the future that in whatever capacity jesus calls me to like that's kind of the current thing like on the table is okay because i technically was ordained so at one point i was even gonna like marry two of my students um they did eventually get married but it was like after i it was the year after i had left so i was trying to like tag team with them and like perform their wedding basically Hmm. so there were ways as they found that out you know that it brought up conversation which was i think part of the reason eric and people wanted to do it like actually ordain me to sort of put jesus's like protection and seal on that Hmm. and and it did bring up conversations with my students you know so it had weight and spiritual power it was really cool but yeah so i've been kind of considering from I think God's bringing it up in multiple ways but what does that look like for me now and Mm -hmm. yeah I don't know I look forward to seeing how (laughs) how your story unfolds and I know that I'll have you back as a guest to talk about different ways that you're you know part of the village leadership and and different you know being a pastor's wife and all of that but we'll save that for (laughs) a whole nother different world but um (laughs) thank you so much for joining me today and for being willing to share your story of teaching and and offer vulnerably the truth of the gospel and 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 what it means in your life and to reject the lies of the enemy and publicly you know i think that has a lot of power so thank you for doing that yeah and thanks um, for asking yeah hope you have a great weekend with your husband and child yeah <laughs> friday guys it's friday it's, it's not friday. when you listen to this no but who knows what day this will come out but <laughs> it might be friday <laughs> <laughs> it's friday today <laughs> all right thanks Adrian. so you've been listening to healing the city podcast with adrian crawford Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.